Amen. No shame in this, but do go run and b- grab a Bible at the back if you haven't got one, because, um, you know, it's so good to test out what the speaker's saying, right? So um, do grab one of those. Uh, really, really important. I could be talking a load of rubbish, um, so it's good to check it. Um, but also, there's a, there is another reason. Um, um, it's kind of quite nice to get a bit of exercise, isn't it, in church as well? If you're like me, I'm not, not great at sitting still. Uh, I have to confess, I went to a Christian thing, conferencing, where they chatted at clergy, and I had to sit in one of those chairs that you're sat on for quite a long time. I've decided I think I want new chairs, Nikki. Sorry. Um, (laughs) um, Anyway, um, great. So everyone's got Bible. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, So Galatians chapter six, there's so much in it. And over coffee, I'd love to know what you would pick to preach on if you were doing this talk because there's so much in it. It's absolutely rammed full of um, practical stuff that Paul has to say. So let's kind of pray as I dig in, but I'd love to know what you're going to take from it this evening when we chat over coffee in a bit. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you that we have the gift of it today. Thank you that we live in a country where we have freedom to have it out publicly. Lord, we thank you for it. And I pray this evening in your mercy and your kindness that you'd breathe life to us through it tonight. And Lord, that we would take it into this week, this month. Amen. Well, I know I'm a vicar, but I don't just read the Bible. Very, very occasionally, I pick up another book to read. And the book that I have read this week is this one, Everyone is Still Alive. Now, I don't particularly recommend it. It's probably an 18 plus as well. Um, There's some rude bits. Um, But it's all about Chiswick. So I thought I've got to have a little look. And uh, the person who wrote it was actually a parent at the school where my children go to, or did go to, Strand on the Green. And I think my children were in year four and year six and year two. And I think she had a child in year five. So I didn't know this lady, but uh, uh, she moved to Cornwall and then she wrote about us in this book. And so uh, a lot of the parents at the school have picked it up to read it. So I've got to have a read. And uh, and everyone's going, oh, I know who that is. Anyway, if you live in Grove Park, it's based on Magnolia Road. You know the road where Annie's restaurant is, right near the river? Very nice road. It's based on that road. And our church comes in on page 22. So uh, take a look and you can find out what they say about Christchurch Turnham Green. Uh, She doesn't name it as that, but it is us. It's very clear it's us. You'll see that when you read it. Um, But all through this book... This very, very secular take on life, all through this story of what it means to be human here in Chiswick, God is remarkably present. It's incredible how present God is through this book. Prayer is mentioned on a number of occasions, that the main character in the story starts reading the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe to their child. And right at the very end, it has this line. It says this. Our rational, secular beliefs don't hold up in the presence of alcohol or tragedy. And I don't know what your experience is, but a lot of my friends in Chiswick don't believe in God. But under the presence of alcohol and in the face of tragedy, there's often a moment of opportunity 
to speak the hope of eternal life and something different. And even in society today, as much as people don't want to believe that, there's still some truth there, still some searching going on in the lives of the people around us. But primarily, the, the kind of main thrust of the book that I took from it when I read it was that it was a bit of a sort of expose, if you like, on the human heart, that our hearts are conditioned to desire community and uh, to desire being kind of totally accepted and loved and valued and, and belonging to a group. And the characters in the book, they search for that through their own sort of personal relationships. They search for it in their neighborhood and their friendships, and they even search for it in a sense of feeling sort of a connectedness to, to place. And as a Christian, we want to say, yeah, we are wired, whether we like it or not, to have a need for community. And I don't know if there's any um, true traditional Anglicans in the room tonight, but if there are, do you know what Sunday it is this Sunday? Yeah, the curate knows. Literally, if you're online, only the curate knew. No one else knows. Um, I had to look it up. It's Trinity Sunday, and I'm supposed to be giving a sermon on the Trinity. Um, Well, basically, we believe in a God that's, that's a God of community, a God that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a God that lives and exists in community. And, you know, right back at the beginning of our Bibles, the story starts with this community God setting in motion creation. It's a poem, not a scientific test. It doesn't, you know, tell us exactly. But he set, God sets in motion what goes on. And as God sets that in motion, he creates an image bearer, a humankind. And he looks at the humankind and he says, it's not good for him to be alone. And so he makes them male and female. And as he makes this male and this female, he gifts to them the possibility through their different parts and different makeups to actually image bear so much that they can be like their creator God and can create life. Isn't that amazing? And he's created us to make connections with one another and connections with God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but the human heart is wired to need and have community. And we long, don't we, to be in that kind of special community where we know we feel really loved, accepted, and valued. Um, I was asking some of the, the 20-somethings, so I'm, I'm in my 40s, um, I'll admit it, and uh, I was asking some of the 20-somethings on our staff team, do you guys still watch the show Friends? Because I am kind of find it hilarious that it's still on TV. And they were all like, yeah, yeah, and one of them said, oh yeah, I, just, I only just started watching it last year, like this totally new thing. It's been going for like forever. There's not many shows that kind of run for like that long and are like on so many channels, are there? But it taps into our desire 
doesn't it? This group of friends that essentially are existing like a family together, where each one is known, where their quirks are accepted. And it taps into this this kind of human need we have to want that. And then we go out in the rest of the world and we're a little bit disappointed that we can't find that group of perfect friends that are always there for me when I need them and love me all the time. And and we kind of get a bit frustrated because we're kind of searching for that kind of community. Well, Paul in our chapter today says the church is meant to be that kind of community. Have a little look in in your Bibles, uh, verse 1 and verse 18. I think in our translation we've got here in church, it says the word brothers and sisters. Is that right? You've got brothers and sisters. So verse 1 and verse 18, the beginning and the end of the chapter, Paul starts by calling the church brothers and sisters. Or in kind of more ancient translation, you might call them brethren. A more modern translation might be community of friends. And that's how he speaks of the church. The church community should be family. We should be family together, close friends together. And everything Paul says in between verse 1 and verse 18 is to be taken in that context that we are brothers and sisters. And I don't know how you're feeling about Christchurch W4 right now, or if, you, if you're checking us out from another church, how you feel about your local church right now. I don't know about you, but I have sometimes when I feel really loved by my church, and I love my church community, and other times I feel like, I, I don't really feel very loved this week. No one's really noticed me. I'm not, I don't really, whatever. <laughs> and, and the truth is that if you've been a Christian for a while, you're probably going to experience that at some points or other. Times when church has felt really great and like that community for you and perhaps other times when it hasn't and there can be all kinds of reasons for that but ultimately the bottom line is that it's because it's made up of you and me and we don't always get it right and we're not always perfect but we're on a journey together and there's a real encouragement as we read through this passage today to strive onwards to be good brothers and sisters in Christ. And so just for the next few minutes, I'm going to take us through this chapter. And because it's so rich, I think I'm only going to make it through the first few verses because there's like a million talks you could do just from this chapter. But in these verses, I'm going to share with you some tips Paul gives us on what it means to create that kind of community where we're brothers and sisters, where we love one another, where we belong, we're accepted and valued for who we are. Um, just before I say that though I do just want to encourage you um, Christchurch W4 because I heard three really encouraging things this week about our church and I just I just want to share it with you because there's a lot of times we get it right as well as times when we get it wrong Um, but just for your encouragement the first one was somebody actually who comes a bit to this service or away on a business trip I think this week and they said to me I want to congratulate you Nicola I don't always feel welcome in church but I always feel welcome in this church oh that's great what a great testimony to you guys that is thank you for being welcoming 
Uh, there was a, there's a small group of, of women in our church. They meet on uh, this particular group, meet on Friday mornings every other week. And uh, one of them had an offset inspection this week, and we were praying for them. And uh, I was listening to the, the WhatsApp messages coming through after the small group on Friday. I couldn't, couldn't make the meeting myself. Um, but she wrote on the message uh, something like, I just... Um, Thanks so much for this morning's Bible study and prayer. I love you guys so much. And it was an expression of thanks for my Christian community, for my brothers and sisters who've been praying for me this week and who've been standing alongside me. That's what our small groups ideally should be doing for each other. And then uh, someone here tonight was talking about how their brother came along once to one of our services and came to the pub afterwards and how they commented on what a great community there was here. So I just want to encourage you, Christchurch W4, because there's a lot that we get right, there's a lot that we do well, but there's stuff to strive on. So let's dig into these tips. Firstly, um, having a look at verse 1. Okay. Okay. Something that can uh, really make or break a community is how we cope when someone is messing up the community and they're sinning and they're getting stuff wrong. What do we do in those circumstances? My fear is that most of us are awkwardly British and turn a blind eye. I'll just kind of, I'll just ignore that over there. I'll just, I'm just going to ignore Alison because... I can see she's messing up, but like, I'm just, you know, I just, just won't talk to her over coffee. I'll talk to Lydia instead. What do we do when we catch someone out in sin? What do we do when we spot someone's black, um, backsliding? When someone's just drifting? Or someone's deliberately choosing to go against God's ways? What do we do? Well, Paul gives us a great tip. He says we are to be gentle with one another. We are to be gentle and to restore that person. Now to do that, that means I've got to genuinely take some time to get along. Sorry, I'm using you, Alison, as my example. Alison's really nice and really holy, by the way, just saying. Um, but she's just right there in the front row, so, you know, and she's great. She's such a great help to me in this church, so thank you, Alison. Um, but I've got to get alongside Alison. Alison's got to know that I'm for her, that I love her, that even if she ignores me, I'm still going to love her. But I've got to get alongside her. And then I've actually got to say the uncomfortable thing in love to her as well, haven't I? Like, Alison, sorry, sort it out. Start coming back to church properly. Or, you know, turn off that late night movie. You shouldn't be watching that. Or whatever it is, right? There's got to be some trust and love but I've also got to do it in such a way that I'm totally humble because do you know what next week Alison might need to come and restore me and so the verse talks about how we need to be careful as we restore other people but we too are in danger of falling into the same sins of messing up in the same way so do we act humbly towards one another? Not aloof, not thinking we're better than the other person, because we're not, we all mess up. 
such a great thing, isn't it? And it's, it makes such a difference because then the relationship's real and genuine. I've been honest, honest with Alison rather than just ignoring her. I've told her the truth in love. And, you know, that sometimes can be really hard. It doesn't mean that Alison might, you know, she could equally just turn around and go, well, I'm not talking to you ever again, Nicola. She might do, right? But at least there's integrity in the relationship. At least there's integrity. And if I've done it with gentleness, I can trust that God will hold that and look after it. Second little tip uh, Paul gives us, verse 2. He says this, to be a good Christian community, brothers and sisters, we are to carry each other's burdens. We're to carry each other's burdens. And the assumption that lies uh, behind this verse is that we all have burdens. There isn't like one person that has a burden and one person that doesn't. We all have burdens that need carrying. Well, you might say to me that, well, Nicola, I'm not totally sure about that because Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Just sort it out on your own. Cast them on the Lord. It's, you don't want to be an imposition to other people. You know, sort out your own burdens. And in our British pride, we so often live and act like that. Oh, I don't, I, I don't want to be an imposition. I just, I'll keep that to myself. I'll just, you know, I'll just try and deal with it with the Lord. But actually that, that verse in that psalm isn't even um, talking about that, you know. We do have a divine burden bearer, Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can take our burden of our sin and of our guilt. But those are not the only burdens that we carry through this world. There are other burdens we carry. Burdens of worry. Burdens of temptation. Burdens of doubt. Burdens of sorrow. And these burdens require us to be in community, to help one another out with them. You see, God has gifted us with friendship. It is one of the ways that God chooses to help us. And, you know, I can hear sometimes people saying things like, well, I won't bother with church. I haven't got time with church. I'll just do the God thing on my own. So, you know, it's fine. I have a great time praying with God when I walk around the park. It's fine. I don't need church. I won't bother coming. I haven't... Well... It's true on one level. We can have, uh, still have a personal relationship with God wherever we are. If we end up in a prison cell, it's okay. God is there with us, but not as a full expression. We only get that in community with one another. I cannot see God as fully as I might without you, and you cannot see him as fully as you might without me. And do you know what? If you're not coming to church, well then... I don't have much of a friendship with you. It means you can't carry my burden. I need you. And just maybe you need me too to carry yours. But if we never gather together, if we never meet, if we're never connecting, if we're never meeting people that are different to us in the family of God, we cannot do this act of carrying one another's burdens. 
And you know, um, Paul experienced uh, something when he was in Corinth, and it like really got him down. And he was really suffering um, with the situation then. He was really struggling. And he writes this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5 to 6. He writes this. God who comforts the downcast comforted us by... What do you think he said? What did God comfort Paul with? By a miracle? By the Bible? By prayer? By the knowledge of his salvation? Do you know how the verse finishes? He comforted us by the coming of Titus. Because just sometimes, in fact, quite a lot of times, the way God is going to comfort us and help us carry our burdens is through our brothers and sisters in Christ. In human friendship, we bear one another's burdens. It is part of the purpose of God for his people. So we shouldn't keep them to ourselves. You know, it can be a brave thing sometimes to stick up our hands and say, I need a bit of help. I made myself do it this week. Um, those of you who know Richard, my husband's away at the moment. Um, he'll be back on Wednesday, but it's been coming up to like almost two weeks. And uh, he's out in Uganda. They've just been in the Congo today, having an amazing time, but, you know, really challenging time too. And I've been at home with the boys and working. And our lovely John and Lydia Curates have had COVID. And Catherine, our administrator, was on holiday. All like brilliant. That's brilliant. I'm so glad she was on holiday. But like, you know, when you're just like kind of feeling like the weight of stuff and there's quite a lot going on and you're just kind of managing. And I just was like, do you know what? I need to go and just chat to someone as a friend, like not as a mum and not as a work meeting for one evening. And so I was kind of forced myself to do this, but I texted somebody in our church and I went, can I just come for a glass of wine on Friday? And I basically invited myself to this person's house and then um, not only did I do that, but I invited like three other people to come with me. Um, anyway, she was hearing me preach on this this morning. And she said, Nicola, there's a second part to that story. You said that it helped you, but you know what? It really helped me. I'm such a perfectionist about keeping my house clean and tidy. I don't nearly as often enough invite people over. And it was really good time, and it was good to chat. And there's something about this putting ourselves out there. It's so awkward, isn't it? It's so awkward to do. It's so un-British. We don't want to be a burden to anyone else. We don't want to presume. We don't want to put on people. But actually, in the church, the church is the one place, brothers and sisters in Christ, where we should receive from God a little bit more permission to do that, to connect with one another. And you know what, this pandemic time that we've been through, I don't know about you, because I think actually everyone's in all kinds of different places at different times. Um, but I know this is more than just me. Quite a number of people in our community are feeling quite tired right now. Because we had that time where we weren't really interacting as much. And we slowed down a bit. And some of that slowing down was absolutely brilliant. We need to kind of grab hold of it. We feel ourselves being pulled into the rush of life almost too fast again. Or we've already got there and we're already like working 80-hour weeks again and going like crazy. And we're exhausted because we've not been used to doing it. It's absolutely shattering. 
And in our tiredness, we don't feel like we've got any capacity to do this like Christian community stuff as well. And if they don't tell me to do that, I'm exhausted. So we need to be gentle with ourselves in this season. But, but we need to be careful that loving our brothers and sisters in Christ doesn't fall off the list. And that then comes down to an ordering of priorities. And so I think each of us individually sometimes have to ask the Lord, what, what is my no and what is my yes in this season? And I was challenging the congregation this morning and I was saying to them, do you know what, just once in June, once in July, once in August, go and have a coffee or a beer with someone in church. Invite yourself over to theirs or take them out on the high road, whatever feels least weird. I, I invited myself over to someone's house. I'll give, you, I'll give you the name of the person afterwards. Maybe you can invite yourself to their house too. Um, they, they seem game, so, you know. Um, set the bar not too high. You know, sometimes I hear, people hear these sermons, don't they? And they think, right, that's it. I must get back into inviting people around for Sunday lunch. Right, every week I'm going to try and get someone around for Sunday lunch. Well, brilliant if you can do that. But most of us right now, that's, that's going to be a little, little too far. So let's just set the bar in the right place and go steady. We can do less and it be quality and that's okay. But let's not let it fall off the to-do list. And you'll notice if you're, if you're part of Christchurch W4, if you're watching online, hey, um, if you're checking us out, over the next few months as the summer season comes and people are coming and going, and I can see that even with this congregation, we're coming and going a bit, lots going on uh, and all that kind of stuff in our lives. We're going to slow the life of our church community right down. So there's not a huge amount of activity going on in the church as gathered people. And I love to encourage us to use that time just to focus a little bit on friendship and gathering. And then as we head into the autumn term, you'll notice on your e-newsletters there's a men's breakfast coming up, and there's a women's breakfast, and we're looking maybe to do like a Burns Night Kaylee or something, just throwing in a few social things into our programme. Not loads, but just when they pop up, if you are free, come along embrace that opportunity of growing in friendship because it's through that we feel a little bit more comfortable to then carry and expose our burdens to each other you see Catherine's um Alison's not going to tell me she has a problem with late night movies if I don't know her there's a trust that needs to be built up when we share that kind of level of stuff right she doesn't, I don't think. No, she doesn't, that's okay. But she might do. But you have to build up trust, don't you, in your relationships to share the stuff that's burdening you. And that comes through time and friendship. Okay, very quick, moving on. Uh, the other thing tip Paul gives us is not to compare ourselves to each other. Don't compare yourself to one another. Oh my goodness, comparison trap. Comparing one ourselves, oh, it's a joy killer. It's just horrendous. It robs us of happiness because there's always someone cleverer than us. There's always someone smarter than us. There's always someone richer than us. There's always someone more beautiful than us. There's definitely a better preacher than us. Um, but like, there's always these betterers out there. And there's someone who's stronger. And, and even, if, even if you're the best at the best, give it a few years and someone younger is going to come up and 
be better. And it's just a nightmare. And if we live our lives like that, it destroys us. And so Paul says in the passage, do not compare yourselves. Rather, verse 4 and 5, let each one test his own work. And then his reason to base will be in himself or herself alone and not in his or her neighbor. For each of us will have to bear our own load. We mustn't scrutinize or compare. I could, we need to preach a whole series on that. But just need to pick up something as I come into land. Did you notice the, the potential contradiction in this passage? If you've got it open, verse 2 tells us to carry one another's burdens. And verse 5 tells us that we are to bear our own burden. Okay? Um, what do you reckon, guys? Carry each other's burdens? Bear their own burden. What? <laughs> Anyone struggled with that one before if you've read that passage? Um, okay, so here you go. This is where a little bit of nerdy Greek actually helps us. So here we go, Greek from the New Testament. I'm going to say these words wrong, but here we go. Let's give it a try. In verse 2, the burden that's spoken about is a Greek word, baros. I probably haven't pronounced that right. I hope no New Testament scholars watching this. Uh, something like baros, and it means... A heavy weight, a huge heavy weight that you cannot, cannot carry on your own. But in verse 5, the Greek word um, for burden is frotion, which is a common term for a man's backpack that you can very easily put on your back. Okay, so two different types of burden. And John Stott writes this and explains it really well. He says this, so we are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man of to bear alone. But there's one burden which we can't share. Indeed, do not need to, because it is a pack light enough for every man to carry himself. And that is the burden of responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack and I cannot carry yours. Each man will have to bear his own. You see, if I really genuinely and utter love and humility try and restore Alison from her sin, and she goes, whatever, and doesn't listen, and just keeps going away from, from God, she's going to be responsible for that on the day of judgment. And I am going to be responsible for the way I respond and how I speak to her. On that day, we are responsible and accountable for our work before God alone. But the burdens that we have in this life, our sorrows, our temptations, our sadnesses, our griefs, those kind of burdens, we're to be there and to help each other carry we aren't made to do this alone. And so verse 10, our final verse, the bit that was read to us tonight, tells us to do good to all people, but especially to our Christian family. Our good's not to stop here, but it is to start here. And I don't think... This is my impression. You can tell me what you think. 
I don't think Christchurch WE4 is in danger of becoming a holy huddle clique. Why? Because you're really interesting people who do a lot out there in the world. And we as church leaders in this place, we want to bless you in that. We want to be praying for you in your workplaces, in your life spaces, and all you do in the community. I mean, there's tons of people in our church that run the PTAs at school that are in this community group and sing in that choir and go to this workplace. And you guys do loads of amazing stuff out there in the world. I don't think we're in danger of becoming just a little clique in this place. I sometimes occasionally wonder if we miss the blessing of bravely being brothers and sisters in Christ, though, because it takes a bit of time. And so I want to just encourage us as we read this passage to hear that challenge and to look at our priorities, because it says in John's gospel that it's through watching us that the world will know about God's love. And so our good is to start here. And I don't know, sometimes we do things when uh, someone's been in hospital or, or had a new baby, and maybe we take some meals around to that person. And then sometimes people will comment back to me and they'll be like, oh, wow, your church is like amazing. And it's like a testimony of God's love when we look after one another. And so I just encourage you over this season, why not just get alongside a couple of people in church, carry one another's burdens, find out what they're wrestling with, pray for them, stand with them. And guys, we want to stand with you, those of you that are doing exams and stuff at the moment, it's over soon. <laughs> it's dragging out this year though, right? They've like, it's over like a lot of weeks. How far have you got to go? week and a half. Yeah, let's pray for them as we finish. You guys are amazing. Um, but let, let's find out what's going on in people's lives. Let's pray uh, for one another and love on one another. Should we stand? I've whittled on for a long time. I'm sorry, there was so much in this passage. We haven't even covered half of it. There's one really good verse which talks about giving a teacher all the good stuff you have, sharing that with them. I thought maybe I should have focused on... No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> there's so much, so much in this passage, so much. Now let's pray.